Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 112th edition of the PJ Archive. It's a phone interview I did with the English jazz-pop singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Jamie Cullum. We spoke in late 2004 when Jamie was releasing his cover of the classic song Everlasting Love, which was on the soundtrack to the Bridget Jones film sequel The Edge of Reason, and on a special edition of his third studio album, Twenty Something. Jamie, then sharing a two-bedroom flat in London he'd just moved into, chose his ten favourite albums of that time by other artists. Hey Peter. Hi there, thanks for agreeing to do this. That's right, no problem. Um, Any excuse to talk about music. (laughs) Whereabouts do you keep your record collection in the I keep my record collection currently in my bedroom, because that's where I listen to a lot of music, I guess. Although I've barely been home, to be honest. And how extensive and varied is your collection? It's huge. I've got about 3,000 records. Cool, blimey. A uh, lot of vinyl, a lot of tapes, a lot of CDs. Right. And what sort of music? Is it, is it mostly jazz or...? No, no, far from it. It's about, about a tenth jazz, I guess. A lot of pop, a lot of rock, uh-huh. a lot of classic stuff, a lot of, uh, hip, a lot of hip-hop, a lot of dance, yeah. a lot of kind of 12 inches, mm-hmm. kind of remixes and stuff. Right. And do you buy a lot of music, or do you tend to get given it by your label and stuff? I buy about, I buy at least five CDs a week and get given about ten a week. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? I'm obsessed. It's an addiction. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Yes, it was uh, by a guy called Steve Vai. V-A-I. Right, and what was that called? It's called Passion and Warfare. Yeah, it was, he's a guitar god, you know, he's like a guy who can play the guitar very fast, like a heavy metal guy. Yeah. Another one before it was a single, well, around the same time... Paula Abdul, Opposites oh, Attract. Yeah, oh yes, good song, yeah. And the House, no, no, before that was the House Martins, Me and the Farmer. Oh, yeah, yeah, good one. And um, how difficult did you find it compiling your ten favourite albums? Impossible. But you've done it. <laughs> I've done it because they're my favourites at the moment. Right, oh, fair enough. But it'll okay. change tomorrow. Right. Well, we better get it done quickly then. Okay. Um, what's your first choice, please, Jamie? Uh, okay, let's go with uh, Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Okay, that's one of my top ten too, yeah. absolutely superb. And uh, just explain why you've chosen that one. I think, lyrically, this is the greatest rock album ever, for starters. It happens to hold two of my favourite songs of all time on it as well. And just, uh, I mean, just as a whole album, it's, it's a brilliant expression of uh, someone's inner turmoil about a specific event. You know, just gone through a breakup and stuff. And it's, it's the most succinct and brilliant ex- ex- explanation of how someone's feeling at that time. It's poetic. It's, it's up there with Milton and, and all the great poets. Incredible. Mm. And you said it's got two of your favourite tracks on it. Which are those? Simple Twist of Fate and uh, Tangled Up in Blue. Brilliant. And just explain why those two in particular. Well, Tangled Up in Blue, I just think, uh, again, for, for me, that is the pinnacle of what you can do in, lyrically in a song. If I could ever write a song like that in my lifetime, I think I'd truly achieved something. Well, wow. I was very doubtful. And have you always been a Dylan fan, or is it just that album that you... No, 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 I, I, I think I've cottoned on to Dylan in the last four years, I think. It took me a while. Yeah. I think, I think it's a, it's a, he's a hard one to get into when you're, quite, when you're young. It's not very immediate, and his voice is hard to get to grips with, but when, once, you, once it clicks, you know, it clicks, and that's it. Yeah. You probably know. Absolutely. No, I fully agree with you. Um, what's your second choice, please? I'll take Miles Davis, In a Silent Way. Just the first um, jazz album I ever bought. Right. And the reason I bought it was because I was getting into the sound of the electric piano, the Fender Rhodes electric piano. And it had two Fender Rhodes players on it. Right. And um, it is, uh, it's the most spontaneous sounding music I've ever heard. It's still groovy. 
Miles actually doesn't start playing on it until about five minutes into the record. And when he does, his first note just makes your whole stomach drop out of your body because he's got that tone of Miles just comes out. And to be honest, if I ever forget why I like music, I put this album on because it's the most honest, spontaneous music I've ever heard. And people who aren't into jazz, I can play it to them because it's just beautiful. Who introduced you to Miles Davis's music? Um, no one in particular. I kind of heard about him through like hip-hop artists and things like that. And I'd started to read about him in, in books and stuff, and he was referenced a lot by a lot of people I liked. All right, okay, good one. Number three choice, please. Number three, let's choose something a little newer. Uh, Lauren Hill, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Tell us about that one. I think uh, this, this album is like, for me, fulfills what I think Ray Charles did to a lot of people in when he was, you know, at the height of his fame. It brings lots of different styles together. It brings soul, modern R&B, hip-hop, uh, funk and pop music all in one record even like a bit of reggae you know and it's just it's just the, it's, it's the perfect kind of merging of those forms on mm. one record as a pop record it functions great because it's ear media it's fantastic it's something you can play at parties it's something you can dance to but like underneath it's just a record of total genius the instrumentation the production the lyrics the, the songs the singing the performances and did you like the Fugees? I did like the Fugees, but I'd known about Lauren Hill a bit before the Fugees. Mm. Um, and I'd to, I did like the Fugees, but really, uh, I think Lauren, Lauren Hill for me is the, is the true genius amongst the Fugees. Mm. I love Wycliffe John, but I, Lauren Hill is just, she, I think that's easily one of my favourite records. And have you seen those artists in, uh, in concert at all? Or yeah, in yeah, sure. Yeah. Where have you seen them? Uh, I saw Lauren Hill at Christian Academy when she first came round after that. What so, was uh, that like? Oh, fantastic. She's a... She, apparently, I've been told seeing her live is a bit like a lottery, you know, sometimes she's great, sometimes she isn't, but right. the night I saw her, she was amazing. A bit like Bob Dylan, then. So they say, but that's <laughs> part, of the, part of the fun, you know. Yes. And number four choice, please. Uh, ACDC, Highway to Hell. And uh, explain this one. I guess this is the first heavy metal album I really fell in love with. Uh, I, I got into heavy metal when I was about 14, 15, and I still listen to a lot of heavy rock today. Right. They're bands like Iron Maiden and... Um, you know, I kind of like, the, as you can call them, heavy metal, Led Zeppelin, like heavy rock, you know. And uh, I think Highway to Hell, it's a brilliant, it's like a blues record, but with the amps turned up to 11. Mm. And that lyrically it's great, you know, it's really proper rock and roll, you know, and they're still going and it's still great. Mm. And this is kind of like a textbook, uh, textbook heavy metal album, really. So you like Spinal Tap then? I like Spinal Tap, I love Spinal Tap. With the amps turned up to 11. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and uh, recently we're in Cleveland, so I got to say, hello Cleveland. <laughs> but no, Highway to Hell is great, and I, I used to be in a band and we played, we used to just play ACDC songs, and this was one of the albums. I was the Angus Young character, mm. so it was great fun. So, are you able to play um, music like that? Or sure. do oh, your yeah. fans just want you to play jazz all the time? Well, no, I, I wouldn't knock out Highway to Hell on the electric guitar, but I've played... Uh, I've played uh, a couple of ACDC songs uh, on the piano at jazz gigs before. Mm. Um, number five, please. Velvet Underground, Andy Warhol. Right, okay. It's kind of an obvious choice, I guess. I really got into indie music as well, and um, I guess I'd never heard anything like this album. It was like highbrow, yes, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of artsy and highbrow, but at the same time it was real kind of low-down and dirty indie, mm. kind of rock, kind of, you know, drugs and, 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 and sunglasses and and misbehaviour and all that kind of stuff mm. that comes with it so uh, I think it's an interesting album and I liked it more for what it represented when I first got it rather than actually liking the music but in the recent years I've come to listen to it again and love it for the music too and do you have favourite tracks on this one? favourite tracks hmm. uh, what's the one that lasts about 15 minutes the one about the murder 
Do you know uh, uh, Blonde on Blonde? Yes. Yeah, well. of course, yeah. Well, it's a bit like, you know, on Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. Yeah. Um, it's like the, the band don't quite know when the song's going to stop. You yeah. keep hearing them trying to end it. It's a bit <laughs> like that. It's fantastic. You've chosen um, already some quite sort of older artists and sort of old albums. Sure. Why is that? Do you think that's because that's the time when they made really good music? Or No, I think because um, for me it's just about albums that have stood the test of time. Fun enough, I haven't got to the newer selections yet. Okay. But it's about albums that really have kind of stood the test of time and still remain classics, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I'm just looking at it from an older person's point of view, really. Right. Because, you know, there are loads of albums I think are great now. We don't know whether they're going to going to stand the test of time, really. Absolutely. Okay, what's your sixth choice, please? Uh, well, funny enough, I'll, I'll choose uh, Bjork's album Vespertine. And uh, explain? Well, Bjork's one of my favourite kind of modern artists, just because as much of her music is about what she represents, you know, she's a total artist. Everything from her videos to her album covers, you know, obviously to her music, to her choice of collaborators, to the concept she has for every record. Have and you? Vespertine's the one that I think is probably her least popular record, but for me, I think it's her best. I was one of the lucky people who attended when she did this album live at the Royal Opera House. She did it with um, uh, Icelandic choir right. and the string section of the Royal Opera House and uh, a couple of electronics guys called Matt Moss. And it was a perfect kind of synergy between classical music, pop music, electronic music, choral music. Just, it was totally fucked up. I loved it. Because mm. people dismiss her as just being bonkers, really. Do you well, think? I mean, they would because they don't understand it. She's ahead of her time. You know, I don't, I don't understand everything she does, but, you know, I think in 20 years' time, people will just understand she's a total genius. And have you met her? No, I haven't. I'd love yeah. to. Yeah. Would you like to collaborate, or do you think... I would love to collaborate with her. She'd, mm. be in my, she'd be in my top three of collaborators, I reckon. Who are the other two? Put your question. Yeah. Prince and Tony Bennett. Okay. What's your seventh album, please? D'Angelo. This album's called Voodoo. Okay. This is his second album. He's only made two albums. This album's called Voodoo. Okay, and how did you um, find out about this one, and uh, when yeah, did you get it? big on the kind of R&B, kind of hip-hop scene. He's kind of like post-Prince, kind of funky, kind of hip-hoppy. I don't know. I think with this album, Voodoo, he created his own sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no one's ever quite come up with anything to match it yet. With all these layered high uh, vocals, and the drum beats, and the bass grooves. It's really like... It's, a, it's an album based on grooves and sounds and stuff. Right. And the songs aren't like fully kind of formed songs. It's more like a kind of environment album, you know. Yeah. It's an album about the environment. I don't know. You just have to listen to the first song called uh, Player Player. And it's just, I don't know, it's just it's genius. Do you get ideas when you're listening to albums like this? Yes, I do. Actually, more from this one at the moment than anything else. Really? What sort of ideas does it give you? Grooves, yeah. um, kind of production ideas. And are you always concerned not to sort of nick something and get accused of plagiarism? No, 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 I nick things all the time. I think it's important to nick things, but as, right. you know, as, as long as you make something new out of it. You know, for this Everlasting Love single, yeah. we've nicked a riff from a Herbie Hancock song, Maiden Voyage, and I quite like the fact that we've done that in a pop song. But you have to acknowledge that one, presumably. Um, no, because it's not like copying. It's like we've kind of, it's almost like we've sampled it, like DJ sample things. Okay, and where's D'Angelo from, by the way? D'Angelo's American, I think he's from, he's from Brooklyn or Philadelphia or something. Yeah. Okay, number eight, please. Uh, a Tribe Called Quest, Beats, oh. Rhymes and Life. Right, A Tribe Called Quest, I remember them. Tribe Called Quest are um, from one of the bands that introduced me to jazz. Right. Um, I was listening to, started listening to hip-hop when I was about 15, 16. I really got into Tribe Called Quest, and they sample a lot of, a lot of jazz. Uh, they talk about jazz a lot in their raps and stuff. And, you know, they sample, they sample a lot of that stuff, so... 
Uh, they're, they're my number one hip hop group still. I think they're fantastic. Oh. And uh, they introduced me to jazz, so I owe them a lot. They sampled Lou Reed, didn't they, on Can You Kick It? That's right, yeah, yeah, that was their biggest hit, I think. Yes, amazing. Is that what got you into them? It was, yeah. That's how we discovered Lou Reed, sure. Yeah. And are they still going, do you know? Uh, they're still um, kind of producing other things and things like that. You know, they, they collaborate with a lot of people. They haven't brought out a solo record for a long time. And have you met them or been no, in touch with them? No, I've never met any of Tribal Press, no. I met uh, Flavor Flay from, uh, tri- uh, from Public Enemy. That kind of same era, you know. Do you think you could collaborate with a band like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there an element of hip-hop in your act, then? A lot of the jazz elements I get are from originally from hip-hop. Right. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know, we'll see. I mean, it's not like I want to start rapping or start including that on my records. I just think the environment of the music, the beats and the, and the grooves are something that I, I find quite important to my music. Right, OK. Number nine, please. Um, let's take Donny Hathaway live. I think uh, this is my favourite voice, my favourite singing voice. And here he is live on this album doing you know, a couple of his own songs, but really it's mainly just on any song. He sounds like the greatest voice for me of all time. It sounds a lot like Stevie Wonder, but yeah. uh, something about it just for me speaks to me more. He's such a damaged person, such a, mm. a fucked up person, you know, and you can hear it in his, in his music. And I don't know, I just, every time I hear his voice, I just melt. How did you hear about his personal story then? Um, I just I read a couple of articles about him in, in Mojo, I think. And, uh, you know, he was, he was gay and he was, you know, drugged out all the time and he had a tough life. And he committed suicide? He did, yeah. It's terrible. tragic, you know. But, uh, Does it affect you when you're listening to the song? Do you think about him and his story when... I, I think you can't help but think about it because you can hear it in his voice. Although he's such a joyous guy, you know, it's, it's kind of joy and pain in his voice. It really comes through in this live album. I like his studio records, but really I think he comes over best on this record. Your final album, please. Okay, we'll take the Beatles, I'm afraid. Ah, good for you. I think uh, my favourite choice is Abbey Road. Their last record is a band. Um, I think this is less conventional than the White Album, personally. You've got ten-minute songs, you've got two-minute songs, you've got segued suites, you've got crazy instrumentation, as usual. Um, You've got songs about nothing, songs about everything. And as a whole, it holds together better better than the White Album. It's got... It's kind of got everything you could want from music on one record. Now, to many people, they're the greatest band of all time. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's about right. They're the greatest, greatest band of all time, yep. And songwriters, Lennon and McCartney? Yep, probably the greatest pop songwriters of all time, yep. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I, don't, I think, obviously, Dylan's up there for me, personally, as well. But yeah. it's a different kind of genius. And have you aspired to meeting the Beatles at all? You know, there are only really two left now, but... Uh... I would, yes, I would love to. I would, I would love to meet, I would love to meet. Right. I, I met a friend of mine the other day who played on McCartney's last record and just said that he's kind of pretty happy. He's almost not lost his aspirations, but doesn't feel as though he's got much more to do now. Yeah. <laughs> and have, have you been to Abbey Road? Have you recorded there? I have been to Abbey Road to see a session, to see a string session of, on someone else's record, mm. but I've never recorded there. But did you sort of inquire into the sort of Beatles time there when you were there? I'm afraid everyone does, and of course I did. I stood in the studio, and yeah, of course, and just soaked it all up. Did you put your autograph on the wall outside like everybody else? No, I wasn't allowed to, because you have to record there first. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I must ask you, while you're on the phone, what do you make of uh, Amy Winehouse's comments about all these young jazz stars like yourself and Katie Mellower and stuff? I don't think, I mean, from what I know and from what I've read, I don't think she said anything that A, isn't true, or B, that I take great offence to. Really? Uh, I know she said some bad things about some other artists, and yeah. that's her prerogative, and, you know, at least she doesn't, like, hide it behind some kind of veiled 
veiled uh, nice comment, you know, mm. um, like a lot of people do. No, I, I think she's great and she can say whatever the hell she likes because she's brilliant. Okay. If she was crap, I'd take an issue with it, but she's not. She's she's brilliant. So no, no criticisms of her then? Absolutely. I, I, I don't know how, it wouldn't be possible to criticise her. Yeah. She's, she's, too, she's too good. She's fit too. Amy's a good friend of mine and she is uh, incredibly talented. Probably out of the bunch of people that always get lumped together, she's by far the most talented. And I'm including myself in that. That's not me being over modest, that's just the total truth. And she's, she's a character and she says what she feels. And she's always telling me off the thing really badly. When she sees me in person, she, she, she would say nothing about, uh, nothing about anyone without being able to say it to their face as well. She, she's, she's great. She's, she's the best. She'll be around for years. And you, you've been successful for quite a while now, certainly over a year anyway. Yeah, we've managed, managed to keep it afloat for a while. So. Yeah, it's terrific. Long may it continue. But um, have you had any funny moments with fans you know, at gigs or anything? Any, anything really embarrassing or funny moment? Um, any embarrassing or funny moment? Someone gave me some pants. Some pants? Threw some pants at me, yeah. Well, while you were performing on stage? Uh, actually, it was at the end when we were taking a bow. Right. Yeah. I'm Did actually they... wearing them now. <laughs> Did they land on your neck or something as you were bowing? What happened? Uh, they just kind of landed on the floor and it had someone's number on the, on the, on the back. Did you ring it? I didn't ring it, strangely. <laughs> yeah. And what type of pants were they? Um, they were um, just kind of pants, just white pants, you know. Was that your first sort of female fan moment? I, I couldn't tell whether they were thrown by a female or a male. Oh, really? <laughs> Unisex pants. Well, no, they look like girls' pants, but, you know, a lot of men like wearing girls' pants. <laughs> I, I had a strange fan the other day who uh, hung onto my neck and told me she was in love with me. Oh. Um, and then, actually, my tour manager had to prize her off me, which is quite funny. Take yeah, I'm her. not going to add the rest of the story because, uh, yeah. But anyway, suffice to say, we managed to get, get rid of her. Oh, you might need her one day. You never know, absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, it's great to talk to you, and continued success to you. It's a real pleasure. Thanks very much. All the best, I enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you. you. Goodbye. Cheers now, bye.